Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon from Nashville, Tennessee. Hey everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs Podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Indeed. That's right. About guitar stuff. The Guitar Knobs Podcast. Tony, why don't you set up our guest? Well, you know, Todd, some we talk a lot about movers and shakers and builders and makers. Yes. We have foundationalists. A, we have even. a very, very special mover, shaker, builder, maker today. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Who's on the line, person? This is Lindy, Lindy Fraylin. Lindy uh, Fra- uh, Mr. Uh. That's Mr. to us. Sir Mr. Lindy Fraylin. <laughs> Mr. Lindy Fraylin, uh, the, the famed pickup meister. And we're really excited to have him on the show. We're going to find out all kinds of things about finding your tone through pickups. I think that's going to be a big focus on what we talk about today. Yes. Um, and first, you have to have a guitar. Now, just make sure you have one of those, and you're good to go for this episode. Uh, Lindy, welcome. Thank you. You uh, are calling from Virginia, is that correct? Yes. Perfect. That's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from us, or maybe a, a little longer than that. But yeah, that's a couple of, a couple of extra couple of hops sk- and hops skips. skips. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But we're at least we're in the same time zone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, we're going to, ha- we're, we're going to find out all kinds of stuff about pickups. We're going to learn and, um, you know, this isn't a pickup one-on-one. Don't, don't get, uh, confused. We've had several of those. This is, this is learning a little bit more, uh, specifically from the guy who is, uh, supplying some of the best pickups out there to some of the best players and, and all of the rest of us too. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Um, yep. we have, uh, just a couple of quick announcements and then yes. we can get on with this. Rode. That's right. We need to thank Rode Mics for supplying our audio equipment, our fabulous Rodecaster Pro and Procaster Mics. Thank you so much to Rode and our pal Nick Stillman down there in Australia for hooking us up and uh, keeping us alive on the air here. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. They're still as good as new from the first day we got them. Pretty much. Um, well, let's get into what's going on in our music world this week. Tony, I'm just raring to go to... to Talk to, to Lindy, but yes. this is always one of my favorite parts. I know it is. So we're going to start off with Tanya here, and then we're going to check in with Lindy. Okay, Todd. Well, uh, this week uh, I had I got a surprise package from uh, my friends at DHgate, um, and um, let me just kind of backtrack. You don't tisk at me, Jared. I can hear you. I can I can feel your judgment <laughs> all this distance. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, there's a there's a local group uh, called. Um, uh, That's a weird name. Uh, Electric Express. Okay. And uh, they they Chinese do Chinese food or no no, <laughs> no. but they do uh, uh, an Everly Brothers uh, show. Oh right, and it's Jesse oh, from cool. uh, Music Royale is one yes, of the guys. I heard and, about that. Yes. They do a fantastic. If you, ha- if, I mean, you know, they're, they're they they play mostly locally, but they do a fantastic job, and uh, their their you know harmonies are spot on. They've got a good backing band, so it's it's a really cool thing. And Jesse, uh, who is one of uh, one of the guys, uh, brought a couple of Epiphone uh, Everly Brothers guitars over, 
uh, and he wanted to do uh, different pick guards on them. Now, for those who don't know, these Everly Brothers guitars are, you know, kind of big bodied and they have giant, in some cases, tortoise, in some cases, different color, uh, matching mirrored pick guards on mm-hmm. either side. Like the tuxedo, as I think I was. The tuxedo, yes. Yeah, calling them when yeah. we were doing mine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so that got me to think and I said, well, you know, I should check and see what's out there because I, I, you know, I, 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 I love the Everly brothers. I, anybody that ever wants to know how to sing harmony, I say, listen to the first two or three Everly brothers. I albums. believe that's what X did. Yes. I saw them live. <laughs> yeah. They, they just, you know, uh, early, well, late fifties into the sixties. What's their big hit, Tony? Well, they had several, but you know, uh, wake up little wake Susie, up little Tommy. Yeah. uh, yeah. Kathy's clown crying in the rain. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah, uh, they actually uh-huh. and for for Nazareth fans out there, uh, they originally did Love Hurts, and oh. Nazareth uh, almost pretty much copied the whole style of the song, just electrified it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Ann and Nancy Wilson write that song. What's that? Love Hurts. Yeah, that was the Everly Brothers. Well, didn't Ann and Nancy write that song? No. They might have covered it. They might have covered it, but uh, no. Learn something new every day. I'll be darned. Yeah. Thanks, Tony Baloney. Well, there you go. That's what I'm here to to enlighten and educate. Yeah, that's very cool. Anyhow, I started digging around, and even the, the Epiphone ones that are out there, the Everly Brother ones, are they're going for like... Seven, eight, nine hundred dollars. Wow! Because they stopped making them. So I said, "Well, let me check Avenue B." <laughs> Which <laughs> that looks like a pretty good avenue from here. Well, it's it's actually so. This is a Chibson, and it's uh, Tony. It I know, but it, <sighs> there he goes. He's sighing again. He feels the pennies <laughs> coming out of his paycheck. <laughs> But uh, it's actually a really cool version because it's an actual SJ200 size and scale. And let me just kind of go back. Is and, that, uh, can you say more commonly that's like a jumbo body, it's right? It's a super jumbo. Super jumbo. Super, it's the, it was at one time the largest guitar, acoustic guitar that Gibson made, thus the SJ, super jumbo. Got it. Later known as the J200. Uh-huh. And when they first came out, they were two hundred dollars. So it was SJ two hundred. <laughs> Wouldn't like to buy a few of those now. Back yeah, nineteen thirties and forties. But oh, um, so the story goes <clears throat> that um, so the Everly Brothers had a deal with Gibson, and they could come in and custom order two guitars every couple of years, and they were always SJ two hundreds. They wanted that big, big body. That's what they played live. That's what their father played. And so that's what they wanted. So Gibson in the early 60s came out with the Everly Brothers model, but they reduced the size of the body and the thickness of the body, and they shortened the scale length. So an SJ200 normally has 25 and a half inch scale length. The <clears throat> Everly, and they called it either a J185 or a J180, uh, has a 24 and three quarter scale, which is what we typically expect from Gibson. Um, so the longer scale length feels different, sounds a little bit different than the shorter scale length. Now, the model that they came out with uh, was a lot easier for people to play, thinner neck, shorter scale, smaller body. Uh, but the Everly's never played them. Uh, they only played 
SJ200s. And in fact, in latter years, uh, they had um, uh, a, a luthier custom make. Uh, I believe they called them the Ike model. Ike was their father's name. And, uh, you know, the same kind of uh, decoration, you know, the star inlays on the fretboard, the big double guards, uh, black, usually black. And um, so what's kind of cool about this is it is kind of a blend between those. So the size of the body, the scale length and everything on the one that I got is SJ200 specs, but it has the star inlays. It's, uh, it originally had black guards on it, and I obviously didn't, wouldn't go for that. So I ended up putting some thin parchment guards on them. Mm. And uh, this actually really resembles, back in June, Gibson actually released a new SJ200 Everly Brothers model. And uh, so it, it, from, you know, 10 feet away, it looks like the real thing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, but it's cool, and it's, a, you know, for a sub-$300 guitar... It well, is that's under three hundred dollars. Yes. Holy cow! Does it, it sound good? It sounds incredibly good. I mean, I think it. I'll go on the record as saying is I think it sounds better than the Epiphone Ooh. versions. That um, is that is beautiful, man. Yeah, Lindy, do you happen to have a jumbo body yourself? Uh, guitar, oh. <laughs> guitar, guitar, guitar. I kind of do. It's not a Gibson though. The, the biggest body I've got is a early '50s Harmony. Mm. Okay. Oh, cool. It was, it was super well made. Um, all good woods. Got that, you know, tortoiseshell laminated headstock. It's a silver tone. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's it's awesome. Sixteen and three eighths, I believe. Yeah, these are well, these are kind of round cutaway, unusual. I think these are what seventeen, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, is, is on the super so. jumbos. Oh, yeah, Todd, yeah. <laughs> I can confirm that. Tony, I've got a very important question, and yes. I've wondered about this ever since we put the black tuxedo guard on my black guitar. Yes, uh, it does when you put that much plastic on an acoustic? Yeah, does, is are you killing your sound, or does it is it really negligible? Well, I would say. I mean, I was I was surprised because I put a lot of plastic and I used thicker than I normally would thick on, and a lot uh, on a uh, on an acoustic guitar, and I don't think it hurts the sound much. It um, should on the on the, on, on the go ahead, go Lindy. Ahead. Oh, it shouldn't hurt the sound because the part of the body on a flat top that's making all the sound is behind the bridge. Ah. Yeah, you know the strings pull on the bridge and it bows up the body behind the bridge. You, if you put all that stuff on an arch top, you would mess it up. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I knew there was a reason we had you on the show. <laughs> Perfect sense. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, on some of the Epiphone versions that have, you know, the big guards like this, I don't think it hurts it at all because a lot of the Epis have uh, plywood tops. Mm -hmm. This one actually still has a is a solid spruce top. So Wow. Um, so I can't wait to play it after the show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like I kind of fell in love with the jumbo bodies when uh, uh, I got really into the Dandy Warhols. Mm. And uh, Courtney Taylor plays a, a big giant. I think he plays a Taylor, actually. 
uh, but anyways, regardless of that, I I was just always like, wow, that looks really cool because it's a huge guitar. Yeah, they're 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 they are big guitars. So. Yeah. But anyhow, so that was that was kind of my fun thing. You know, I had to wait a couple of months for it to come through. Sure. And I was you know watching it come through customs and come through you know all the shipping. They probably channels. paddled the boat with that thing. <laughs> they might have floated the boat on that with that thing. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, Lindy. What is going on in your music world this week? Maybe besides pickup building. Well, um, had a job last week and two this coming weekend. That's fun always. Oh, you mean uh, like a music gig? Yeah, I still we still play out here and there, mostly from Louis Jordan to Hendrix and Creedence, but a lot of old rock and roll, Chuck Berry, rockabilly, oh. early Elvis. Now, um, how would you rate uh, on a scale of one to ten? How how good of a guitarist would you rate yourself? I know that's putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious. I'm, I'm actually a, just a passable guitarist. You know, I couldn't be. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> One is I always make mistakes. Yeah. And, and the other is I just have no desire to play songs I don't really like. Uh-huh. I couldn't be a session musician who has to learn songs whether he likes them or not. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people that actually have seen you play that know you that are rolling their eyeballs big time right now, but we'll um, let that go. <laughs> I'm fine at what I do, but, you know, um, I am a sloppy guitar player. Yeah. And I always was make- Jimmy Page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're not going for it, though, you're not really saying anything. So it's, it, suits, it suits my band fine. No one notices if someone makes a mistake in our band. So, so when you're gigging, what are, what's your main guitar and main amp? Um, I would always have to have a Stratortelli. And uh, I like arch tops with P90s, so I have mm. a couple of ES225s that I love to take. I've also recently, since we were making our version of the DeArmond, I had a local custom builder, Tommy Rodriguez, make me kind of a duojet-sized guitar. Ooh. So, you know, single cutaway, two pickups and a big speed. And uh, that I'm playing it a lot. I'm really liking it. That's it's, cool. Yeah. Very it's, nice. uh, he, he lets me kind of design the guitars, in, including he'll put it all together without paint. I shape the neck. He put, takes it all back apart to paint it because I'm picky about necks. Mm. I like them as big as I can get them, but I have small hands. So there's... There has to be a, a bit, a hint of a V. I was just going to say, do you, I, I bet you prefer a V. Yeah, I wrap my thumb around. And if you think about it, if you play that way, then the only places I'm removing wood from a baseball bat neck is where the bone at the base of my finger and the bone at the base of my thumb contact the neck. Interesting. So the back cool. can be totally round, but those, those sides are kind of like a 45-degree angle place. I take away, I don't know, 64th of an inch. It's not much of a V, and it works. That's nice. cool. How about your amp? I have all kinds of blackface fenders. That's what I like the best, including some kits. Some of them are fine. I have a few tweed fender styles and a tweed GA6 Gibson that's an insane amp. 
<laughs> nice. Probably insane to lift, too, I imagine. Oh, no, the, GA, the GA6 Gibson is their version of a Tweed Deluxe with even smaller transformers. So oh, little tiny guy. Okay. Four watts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's a great, I mean, it's a great amp for Dirty. All the Tweed Deluxes and stuff like that are. Sure. sure. Tremendous for that. They're good for clean, too. Well, that's super cool. Reverb, so I come back to the black faces all the time. Are uh, pretty good clubs out there in in Virginia? Um, well, there's there's clubs and bars that do very well. That's not where we usually play. We usually play these breweries. Oh, um, that's cool. Because here they changed the law where you don't have to have a kitchen. You can serve your own products on your own premises and not have to serve food. So oh. that's why there's 200 breweries in Richmond. Oh, so, wow. Oh, wow. And they want to get people to come buy, you know, $6 beer that costs 50 cents to make. So, <laughs> um, they have bands. So a lot of the places we play are early, which suits us. All my guys are around 70. Sure. We, we don't like to stay up late anymore. Uh, so so, so when, when, you're, when you're playing the uh, brewery, you, you keep the audience hopping. Private parties. We got we get part of a show now and then where, um, you know, in front of a lot more people. We got to open for Marty Stewart and his band. They're, the they're superlatives. Fun. Wow, <laughs> they're so good. I've seen him now five times. Oh uh, yeah, he is. I mean, I mean, that I whole like band him. is incredible. Yeah, I'm not even a big fan of country music, but everything they do is fabulous. That's cool. Uh, Jared, how about yourself? <laughs> so, um, for our fans and knobs that uh, have been listening in uh, for the last few episodes, uh, I finally had an email saying my uh, Mutron biphase is done. So I called in. Um, and I don't even remember the place. I don't remember what the place is called. I just know it's out in California. I think it's Deltronics. That's what it is. Oh, Deltronics out in California. And I, uh, I paid the bill. It was like, oh, not even 200 or not even 300 bucks. There was a couple of, uh, bad pots. So the, uh, phase generators, there's two g phase generators. There's two channels and both of those pots went bad. Huh. Um, and, and, and a few other little things. So they replaced the pots, they cleaned everything up, made made sure everything was working right. And, uh, you know, for, for what that thing's worth, you know, 300 bucks is nothing. So I, I paid their invoice and, uh, they shipped it out yesterday. Nice. And I haven't looked at tracking cause I just, I just want it to pop up one day, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to anticipate I'm anticipating, but I don't want to know what day it's supposed to be here. <laughs> so in case it doesn't show up the day it's supposed to be here, I won't be disappointed. I'll just be <laughs> pleasantly surprised when it shows up. There I like you go. that. That's a, that's so, a good plan. That's like yeah, closing so, your eyes when you when you hit the numbers on the microwave and then walk away. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That's done. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Well, I'm sure they bought insurance. I hope but, so. Um, I also... Uh, Cesar, um, at work, he's like, Hey man, I got some, we got this actually, he, he didn't say, but his assistant brought, 
his assistant brought us a big box of pedals, MXR pedals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure why we had MXR pedals in the office, but he's like, ah, you guys can just take these. Huh. And they're all brand new. So I Whoa. got me some MXR pedals. Huh. Maybe Henry was going to buy MXR at one point. <laughs> I, I would, I would not be surprised. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but no, I, so I got like a, no, let me read these off. Yeah, what are they? So the analog chorus, That's the a double double overdrive, and a carbon copy mini. The carbon oh. copies are good. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. A really so nice those, those three I kind of took, and there was a few other ones, but I, I wasn't interested in those. Hmm. Yeah. Always take. Always take. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, no, if, if I know I'm not going to use it, I'm not going to let it let it for somebody else. Yeah, that's, that's true. Nice. You're a nice man. What about you, Todd? What's well, going speaking on? Speaking of that, um, I, I had so recently got a, a Sierra Tone uh, Centura, which is yes. the, the very highly rated Klon clone in the in the actual Klon enclosure. Mm-hmm. I'd been so curious about them for a long time. And uh, now playing through Marshall, I'm like, I bet this will sound really amazing. And lo and behold, it does. But uh, I've been looking at stacking, putting, you know, what works in front, what works in back, boosts, uh, soft clipping overdrives, hard clipping overdrives. And that is a, uh, boy, I've spent a lot of time sitting on the floor, I'll tell you that. Um, and, uh, but I've got a nice big box of tour gear design patch cables too <laughs> that are helping out quite a bit. Oh, roll right into that. Yeah, I will. Uh, but anyway, so it's been just really fun and hearing, you know, it's the wonderful world of what does this sound like? And that's the one of the things I love about guitar gear is all of the different variables, just an infinite amount of sounds and tones and responses and attack and overtones and all the glorious guitar-y stuff. Um, so I'm just kind of in the middle of that, spending a lot of time also looking at uh, videos from various uh, people that they've done. And uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know that I've landed on my Supreme combo yet. I've, I've got a couple uh, things that uh, are working right now. Um, and uh, right now I'm actually behind the uh, Centura. I've got the uh, small sound, big sound Levi Lovin, uh, which is the uh, the mini drive that they do. But that's the one he did in, in uh, on our behalf, uh, the black with the gold zipper. Anyway, so that one's been pretty cool. But I want to try something in front that's more like a I don't know a softer drive or a, or a dirtier boost. So just kind of playing around with that. Tons of fun. Nice. Yes. Todd, I thought I heard you say earlier that you had a whole box load of tour gear design cables. Well, I mean, it's a, I heard it. it's a pedal box load. <laughs> I, I don't have back stock. I, you know, I've, I've got oh. enough to switch around. I, so I'm going to have to, so I'm going to have to order my own then. I need some yeah. more actually. Oh, so I'm going to have to order those. Maybe we'll combine an order. That's a good idea. And we'll save on shipping. We can. I like that. Let's do that. You know what else works? What? If you at your checkout, as you order all of these cables, yes, you go to the coupon code and enter in the guitar knobs, all one word, 
you're going to save an additional, we're going to save an additional 10%. You save 5% and I save 5%. That sounds like a good deal. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you can head on over to tourgeardesigns.com, get yourself a fresh batch of patch cables so you can have uh, fun on the floor. Uh, of your basement or your apartment or wherever, um, playing around with all the lovely pedals that you have Many in your different life. Shapes. All the different shapes and and everything. All the different the, colors. The too. lengths. All as long as it's in black. As long we, as they're we black, wore yes. that jo- joke out. Right? We, that's that's a three episode joke. The Henry Ford thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, thank you to Tour Gear Designs for sponsoring our four on the floor. Jared. Let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, Lindy Fralin, you are going to share your four on the floor with us. Well, I always have a tuner of some type. I do have three different pedal boards, and they're all different. I don't even remember what they all are. <laughs> do you, do you, do you uh, prefer a specific brand of tuner? Well, I don't even remember what they are. One's a blue one, kind of a strobe looking thing another one's a black one but no i don't remember i've had enough years so that's disappeared. just step on it and works and you go yeah i just try different things you know somebody says i want this and they really like it i might try it cool and i i think if i had to pick a favorite overdrive it's those white uh rc boosts oh yeah okay they i like to be able to hear the fender sparkle even after it's you know the pedal's engaged and so a lot of pedals just erase that part of the signal, like tube screamers. I have a harder time liking them. So I like that pedal. I have, I have a couple other things. I have an area distortion that I really like. Pigtronics brought it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have a flint that, that's a, um, oh, who makes that? It's American. Okay, Strymon. Strymon, yes. Oh, boy, yeah. Sometimes I'll take it. Tweed Deluxe out, and I want reverb and tremolo. So I, that's such I a like great sounding pedal. And uh, and you know who introduced us to that pedal was Doctor Z. Oh, okay. He uh, he uh, we were up visiting his his uh, shop, and uh, there was an amp that he was coming out with that did not have tremolo or uh, the or Jetta. reverb. The, the Jetta. Jetta at the time. Yeah. And uh, and. Uh, I, I think one of us asked, you know, well, what about if somebody wants reverb? He's, yeah, just get one of these Flint pedals over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they sound good. I think I think Strymon makes great stuff. Um, I also always have a delay. I, one of my has a real Aquapus from when they weren't reissued the first run of, and that's still the best sound delay I've ever heard. Uh, the which one? The Aquapus. Oh yeah, the way huge. We, we, yeah, that's right. I have one of the original run of them. I think now if you get them, it's made overseas somewhere. I'm not sure. 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 But yeah. that's still the best delay I've ever heard. Those are built like tanks, too. And I also always have just a seven band EQ. It has to have an eighth fader for volume because mm-hmm. I play clean more than dirty. And that would give me, I usually just like crank the volume a little cut the deepest bass and the harshest treble, like 60 hertz and 2.4K. Cut those, leave the rest flat, but do boost the volume. That's my clean boost. That's, that's, a, that's a really neat pro- sound profile. I don't think that's one that's come up. It's less likely to distort. So you just really, you're just thickening up your treble strings. 
That's cool. That's a That's, good idea. Yeah, I'm going to try that. that. <laughs> we, we're both going to try that. Yeah. You're going um, to do it. Put it before your overdrive so you can have, it gives your overdrive two different sounds. Because uh, as soon as you boost the signal going in, everything's going to get you know, smoother, longer sustain. Yeah. I heard what you were talking about that. And that is so important, getting everything in the right order. Yeah. Yep. That well, I, it's funny. I was literally just about to ask you where you put your uh, your your EQ, and you answered that for me. Thank you. The clean boost is going to be before the whatever overdrive, and I have a whole bunch more. I have a Soul Food. I have the second RC boost, the Chroman with a. It has just a plain volume boost in it too. Mm. Like I was on that one. I have a bunch of stuff, but my absolute favorite is just the old white RC boost. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm I'm a big fan of the EP Boost uh, pedal, which is you know same company, and that that one yeah. is a, is a really nice clean boost as well. Or right, you can make it dirty. The idea how do you describe it? What's that? How do you describe that pedal? Because I've been doing things. Well, allegedly, it's it's they tried to uh, make the front end of the uh, of an Echoplex uh, in a pedal form. Now it's it's a completely different. Uh, uh, schematic than than an Echoplex is, but I think they were able to capture the spirit of what that Echoplex preamp sounds like. So it's mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just kind of you a, turn it on. It's like it's doing something that I can't describe. Yeah, and you can put it real low. You can turn it yeah, up if you, you know, use it for leads. Yeah, I, I I liked it so much. I got a second one so that I could have one set for for clean and one set for for lead volume. That's smart. Uh, yeah, and you can also inside the pedal with a dip switch. You can uh, you have the a combination of yeah. Of, you can you can change the profile. Yeah, change the profile. More bass, less bass, flat, all that stuff. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Lindy. Uh, it's interesting to hear what uh, you know somebody who uh, basically deals tone uh, is doing uh, beyond the pickups. So let's get into what. Uh, you are so well known for uh, making some of the the best, most uh, well known pickups out there. Actually, we the, we just had an episode with Rebirth Guitars out in Colorado, and uh, he when we you know when we asked him like, what what uh, pickups are you using, he like we didn't even finish the sentence, and he was just saying your name all over the place. And then we, later we told him, well, he's going to be on the show, so he said to say hello to you. <laughs> um, so anyways, let's, uh, let's find out, you know, there, there's lots of history on, there's lots of history on how you started and everything. You know, I, I don't know that we want to take up our valuable time with you learning as much about that. I think, you know, Tony and I and Jared discussed how important, how great it would be to hear how you have considered tone shaping and ways that players can use pickups beyond maybe what they think they know. So why don't you um, just jump in? One of the things that I, at first I had all kinds of equipment, you know, oscilloscopes, signal generators, um, AC voltmeters, so you could kind of find out where the resonant peak is of things. I got rid of all that stuff 25 years ago because now I just use my ears. But it was it was helpful at the beginning. Um, but now everything is by ear. I have a test guitar I've had 30 some years. At Princeton, little Princeton lives in the shop. 
So I listen to everything. As far as one of the things that I think is incorporated into every pickup we make is I'm trying to make coils efficient. And I mean, between the frequencies that matter to us all. And one of the things I learned from all that test equipment is a resonant peak of a strat is above 10K until you add a cable. And now it's 3.2K. So I, I realized that the signal you're concerned with as a pickup maker is going to be between 40 hertz and 4,000. And so basically what I've done is experiment all these years to try to manipulate the coil to be the most efficient in that range. We don't need 20K or 10K signal. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for an amp. You can't hear anything above about 4K through a guitar amp. So it's all this wasted energy if you're producing that, that area, those frequencies. So you know, if you can make the pickup louder in the frequencies that matter, without more turns or a stronger magnet, then it's an improvement in coil winding. And that's what I've studied for 35 years, is just how to work with the wire. Much of it's about tension. You gotta have some air in these coils or they don't sound good. I know, I know Jared can tell you, he's, he wind a really tight coil, it just doesn't sound good. What we've heard on the show from different uh, other pickup builders and everything is that there wasn't a lot of development but you kind of tapping into that and seeing your way into something that was just kind of maybe taken as as is, is kind of remarkable. Well, what I was talking about, those frequencies, that's all the science behind it. But what it sounds like is what really matters. So, you know, there's another oversimplification, but this is true, too. We always try to give everybody a balance between bass, mids, and highs. Because they're gonna have, they're gonna have their own amp. They're gonna play dirty or clean, and they're gonna like Marshalls over Fenders or vice versa. Sure. But if you give them a balance, bass to mids to highs, they're bound to like it. And uh, same thing in bass pickups. Just really as flat a frequency response from the deepest bass to the highest sparkle as you can possibly give them. They EQ it how they see fit. Or you, you know, one guy will want two fifteens, and the next guy wants four tens. All that stuff is their business. Mm-hmm. We're trying to give them a very flat frequency response to start with. Uh, what but do you think? Science. I, I mostly listen to everything and listen to customers and listen to records. And <laughs> so what is your preference? And I think I already know the answer because we've talked about this before uh, on overwinding the bridge versus underwinding the neck pickup. Well, that depends on the, the pickup. I think fenders benefit from some extra wire. I found the 60s fenders hard to play. I had, oh, I had lots of them. And that's what got me into winding was a Strat bridge pickup. Mm-hmm. First, I bought a Duncan, you know, and I took out a 5.7K and put in a 14 and a half. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, good pickup. But if I, it, after a while, I said, man, there's got to be something between 5.7 and 14. And so I got into winding. You know, that was my goal, is just to find the perfect Strat bridge pickup. Since then, of course, we've, I've played lots of other guitars. You know, I have a, a fake Les Paul, and I'll play dirty with that, or, or clean for single note stuff. I love it. But uh, I, I know I was influenced also. This, is, this is, relates to all of that. My father owned a Spanish guitar and played jazz like Charlie Bird on it. Hmm. So 
I grew up, I know that influence. I've always liked bright wound strings, but round, solid treble strings. And so that's hard to do in Fender. You know, if it doesn't, if it's not, the wound strings aren't bright, you're not going to like it. So oh, two, if you get too overwound, no one's going to like it. Mm-hmm. And the treble strings are pretty thin with Alnico. So trying to manipulate the coil to, you know, improve that is important. But a great deal of that's in the wood. That's why people talk about swamp ash and big necks. Both of those improve that aspect I'm talking about, bright wound strings and very solid treble strings. We'd all love to sound like a steel guitar if we could on the treble side. Hmm. So you, you know, again, you're like with as with your pickups, you think the the wood in the neck uh, also helps kind of bring that the yeah, that, uh, the frequency balance back. Yeah, to me, that's the voice of the instrument: is the design, the choice of woods, strings, how high the action is, and the pickup is somewhat like a microphone. It's got it, it can only pick up what the string is doing. Mm-hmm. Can't it can't initiate a signal? It has to pick up a signal. So the guitar has to be a good guitar to start with, or you you're not going to get very far. Uh, you know, speaking about tone, and you know, I think this question is going to fit right in there, especially for somebody like me who you know is still learning so much about all this stuff. Is that you know, you hear a player say, oh, I like to have my, I like to have my bridge overwound or underwound or, you know, tapped or blah, 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 whatever. What do you think that for an, the average guitar player who is, is looking to experiment with pickups, what are some misconceptions that you most commonly deal with that, that could help uh, our listeners? All right. Um, well, the first thing I do when someone asks about our products is try to figure out what they want. You know, I'll always ask, what do you not like about your telly set or your humbucker set? Because you can't just go to a website and read a verbal description of tone and really have any idea what's, you know, what it's really sounds like in your guitar and your amp. You also, you can put videos up, but they got a different amp. They have a different ear, a different piece of wood for their guitar. So that always quiz people what they want what they're looking for. And and then you come back to the basics of coil winding, which is more wire, is more mids, thicker, quicker to get dirty, and eventually darker. Yeah. Wire is more open and airy and sparkly. So if a, a guy has Texas specials and wishes they weren't so powerful, you know, we have we have models that are appropriate. But if a guy's looking for a humbucker and it's not so muddy, you, you can have a lower output humbucker too. A lot of it's just listening to people. If you could make one pickup that made everybody happy, our life would be so much easier, but it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> quick, mm-hmm. quick question um, while we're talking about listening, um, and then I want to find out a, a few more misconceptions and uh, common mistakes. So I play a lot of gain, not, not metal gain, but like pretty overdriven, not mm-hmm. full-on distortion, a totally overdriven sound, and I'm curious to know, like, if you're if you're trying to lock in your tone, to me, it seems like, well, I'm playing most like that. Am I masking a greater problem if I'm not trying to to dial a sound in clean? Um, I don't know that. I do know that um, there is a feel thing. You know, uh, one of the mistakes people probably do make. Go back to your other question was 
just I want it hotter. And then they end up eventually not liking it because the hotter the pickup, you know, the quicker it's going to distort the amp. You have less touch sensitivity. You have less dynamics and expressiveness. So a, a lot of experienced players go for lower output pickups and turn the amp up a little more. And they're getting the same distortion, but they have more control of the guitar. The other side of that coin is your mistakes come through, you know, a hotter pickup is more forgiving because you can hit the string hard or soft and it seems like it comes out of the amp the same. Now, but, uh, for those who don't know, necessarily know what hotter pickup means, you know, that's a term that we're throwing around right now. Could you explain that just really quick? Hotter pickup, the way I'm using the term, is is more wire, maybe stronger magnets too. It's just more power, so it's quicker to distort the amp. Gotcha. But again, it's less expressive and dynamic with your touch. So there's a trade-off for that hotter pickup. And if you're doing hammer-ons, it's great. Uh, but if you want to be a blues player and, and really be able to dig in on a part of the song and play super quiet on another part, you're going to be better off with lower output pickups. Yeah. Another thing I always ask people is, is your amp up on 10 and your guitar turned down most of the night? like Roy Buchanan did, or I think Jeff Beck works that way, Hendrix sometimes. Mm. And that's a totally different thing than if you're more like me, where my app's on three and my guitar is on 10 most of the time. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I use a pedal. So that's, that's a whole matter of taste. Yeah. But, it's, but it is important in helping to try to figure out what pickup someone might want. Sure, sure. That makes, that makes sense. Um, so uh, any other any other major things that when people are like, you know, most common things that they end up thinking they want, but maybe don't, or don't know what questions to ask. Hmm. Well, just getting, wanting too much power. <laughs> yeah. I've done a hundred times. A pickup will sound great in my room when I'm by myself and I get into a gig situation and it's too muddy. It's too much power. So that's just the most common thing. You seem to be a person, uh, and certainly you've, you've built your brand on innovating in maybe, I don't want to say small ways, but it's not like you're creating new wheels. You're just figuring out how to make better wheels, so to speak. A lot of the innovating I've done is trying to get hum canceling out of a pickup, like, for instance, a P90. Yeah. To make a hum canceling P90 was years of work and experiments and different you know, just try things and see how they work. And my personal favorite pickup, by the way. Oh, they're great. Those are expressive, powerful. They they ease up when you lighten your touch. They're just wonderful pickups. Yeah. They're, they, they, they feel and sound like a P90 without the the extraneous hum. And and I, I mean, as I, Lindy and I were talking a couple of days ago, and uh, every single, you know, whether it's a junior or anything that has just a single pickup, that that is uh, the P90 is always one of his hum canceling P90s, in my guitars at least. Mm. That that pickup took a lot of development, but you know, it's no coincidence. And when I was done, the magnet structure is basically the same. <laughs> Where the the tone of that pickup comes from, we're just using two sideways coils instead of one big coil. Mm -hmm. So if you took my coils away, our magnet structures would look very close, very similar to a vintage P90. 
Yeah. And it's so much, I mean, it's leaps and bounds ahead of, you know, a lot of uh, companies have, have done stacked P90s, which to me have never sounded like a P90. No, I don't like stacked pickups. It comes back to that feel thing. They can sound pretty good, but they don't feel right. They don't mm -hmm. respond to your touch the same way as a single call. So they've always seemed uh, too dark, you know, just just too dark. And and uh, I know of a couple of different companies that did two different versions. And um, I think Seymour did an okay version, but I didn't, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of them sound pretty good, but they just don't feel right to me. Yeah. You have to start out with an extra bright, extra powerful top coil because it's going to have to go through the bottom coil mm -hmm. to get to the amp. So you're losing something, you know, trying to start out brighter and louder so it can lose high end volume. It never ends up in the right place. Mm -hmm. A lot of our designs use a right and left design like the uh, 57 and later P bases. That doesn't seem to hurt tone to divide, you know, right and left side to pickups. But the P90 can't be done in a soap bar cover that way or dog ear. So I had to come up with a way that worked. It took a couple of years of just trying prototypes and seeing what worked. <coughs> you okay, Tony? Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> I forgot to breathe there for a second. Um, another one of your products that's, is, I think is very popular are the uh, split blades. Split coil blades. Yeah, that's the right and left design. Mm -hmm. and it also took over five years to make that pickup. Wow. Because all my early designs were just, you know, a blade in each coil, left and right coil, and a gap between them. And I could never solve the problem that they were like a dead spot when you bent your G over. Yep. And it's because one blade's north and one is south. So yeah. Above the combined blades is a whole lot of magnetic field going up, but right in the center, there's a valley. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it came to me one night with insomnia that if I made them cross, I wouldn't have that problem, and it worked. Genius. So, you know, then the trick was to get them to sound like Alnico, because it's it's piece of steel. It's, it has to be – it took a lot of work to make that pickup work. But it, it's, it does work if you're willing to get them really close to the strings. That's the thing. They have very low gauss magnets, and they um, don't work if you back them down. Hmm. A lot of people have it in their head that a strap pickup should be down by the pick guard. A long time ago, I remember talking to you, Lindy, and I think it was maybe in the early – some maybe in the earlier years that I – when I was talking to you, maybe when I was a, a young Padawan – uh, if you will, in the in the pickup world, but uh, I remember you explaining to me once that you just you just can't get that crystally bright single coil sound out of a humbucker, out of a hum canceling pickup. So my question is, when a customer calls you and says, "Hey, I I just gotta have that single coil sound, but I hate that hum," you know what's what's usually your your answer to them if they want a long scientific answer. But it doesn't have to be scientific. The reason humbuckers have dull wound strings and really bright treble strings is because you're picking up the string at two places. 
And while the coils are in phase, the string is not. It's mm -hmm. actually moving towards one pole and away from the other. So you're in effect canceling the two inch wavelength, but only the two inch wavelength. And so again, we're back to science here, but <laughs> you are, so a humbucker, whether it's a Filtertron or a you know 16K PRS Dragon, it's gonna have this cancellation if you pick up the string two places. And um, so that's why I like the right and left design. One of the first mm -hmm. things I ever designed on my own was our P92. And so it's two three pole P90s. So it would be hung canceling offset because you know P90 has to be a wide flat coil. And, but they fit a humbucker cover perfectly and it sounds like a P90 but it doesn't hum. Um, that, or I forgot where I was going with that. Um, You're going to say it's awesome. <laughs> it's a humbucker sized, but each string is only picked up at one point. Ah, uh, that makes perfect sense. That's why it's a, like a P90, not a humbucker, even though it's hum canceling. So you can make hum canceling pickups that sound good. And to me, the right and left design is the best because it doesn't screw up the sound like a stack pickup or a Gibson style humbucker does. And I shouldn't say screw up the sound. Humbuckers are the best pickup on earth for distortion because you'll never hear the dull wound strings. The extra bright treble strings cut through when you're soloing. So they're, they're the greatest for distortion. That's why they're used for that. Mm -hmm. I don't love humbuckers clean. So if I got humbuckers in the guitar, it's going to have a coil split. Yeah. I think Les, Les Paul would actually agree with you. He re, he really liked the, the low impedance or the, the low output pickup so he can get the absolute clearest, yeah. cleanest sound possible. Yeah. You listen to his old, his old records. He was trying to sound like an art shop acoustic out of an electric instrument. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to meet him once and I didn't, didn't talk pickups or tell him what I did. Cause I was with my dad. The whole trip was about my dad. And uh, so we went on, into the Iridium and saw him on his break. And, you know, my dad and him talked a little jazz, but I never mentioned that I make pickups <laughs> at that point. He was 90. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have cared one way or another, but, <laughs> I did get to meet him. He was a very nice guy. He took person after person on his break between his two sets. Question about why humbuckers have dull wound strings. is <laughs> <laughs> what's doing it. Yeah. And we've experimented with different ways to make humbuckers sound better. Um, I think I make something called an unbucker where I wind one coil stronger. And that works to a small degree. But... Uh, Mostly I just split humbuckers and I have found something I can give your viewers a tip. If you've got a humbucker that's low output and you don't like the way it sounds tapped, tap it through a resistor. Oh. Put a resistor in series. Anywhere from 4K to 10K will do something. I, I, we have thousands of them at 7K and that's what we sell, calling a, a partial tap resistor. It just lets you split a really low output humbucker and still have a usable sound. Yeah. Good tip. Are there any, uh, you know, pickups and trends that uh, excite you and make you, you know, want to try something a little bit different in the pickup world these days? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. The, uh, I thought of something 40 years ago that maybe 30 
that no one's ever done, and I'm not going to do it at this age in my life, but why can't we re read the strings with lasers? Ever since I saw those things at the checkout store in a grocery store, oh. you know, you <laughs> reflect it back into that machine and it reads the barcodes and have something, you know, under it picking up the deflection of the light. Didn't Korg come, come up with that? You know, coils and magnets are expensive. We're paying a buck fifty-six a magnet for Alnico made in America rods, and wire copper has doubled during the, the whole supply chain thing. Oh yeah, Man. so it's, uh, making the, and it takes so much time. It's fifteen minutes to wind a coil. So you know, if you can make them out of lasers, you could make them. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to give that idea away and no one was interested. It would require preamps, which is not my skill. I don't know anything about transistors. Well, I think I think continue doing what you're doing and everything and the world will be just fine, probably. <laughs> if you build it, uh, yeah. they will come. <laughs> it's really hard to fake an Alnico rod sound with something else like screws. Yeah. They just never exactly achieve it. And so we did the best we could with our split blades. And I won't say they sound exactly like Alnico, but they're really close. Hmm. It's probably because of how narrow it is. Um, it's picking up a very small area of the string. Well, Lindy, I think you've given us uh, quite a bit to think about. And uh, I th <laughs> well, this is maybe the quietest we've been <laughs> on the show for a long time as we're just soaking it in. Um, so th this is, this has been really great, uh, learning about all this. Uh, it's time. Uh, my friends are here in the old El Camino and we've come to the point of the show where it's Jared's game show time. It's called, would you rather today's would you rather is, uh, brought to us by Stu. Yes. Stu. So good old Stu. Thank you, sir. So here it goes. You're on a cross-country tour, and you arrive at your next gig a day early. And you, you go to pull your only guitar out of its case and do some writing. So you're writing some music. You travel light like the band Mono, right? And you find it to be broken, and it will take at least two days to fix. This, the, the guitar broke. You must have hit a really big bump. So you go and you talk to the venue manager about the situation, and he has a couple of spare guitars. One is a Jimi Hendrix Strat strung left-handed on a right-hand guitar. Now, think mirror image of a righty. Or an Ibanez Steve Vai Universe 7-string. Huh. Which do you choose to prepare for tomorrow's gig? All right, mm. so that's a tricky one. Busted guitar and two very tricky guitars to play. The Jimi Hendrix Strat strung left hand on a right hand guitar or an Ibanez Steve Vai Universe seven string crazy one. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to go Tony and Lindy and then Jared and I'll wrap up. All right, Tony, go. Well, probably the easiest thing to do would be just to clip the seventh string off of the Vi. Oh, <laughs> oh you took my idea. Dang it. <laughs> but uh, because I have been practicing mandolin a little bit, which is strung like an upside-down guitar, 
<laughs> I could probably fake my way through uh, through playing the first four strings on the on the guitar, which would be upside down because it's like a mandolin. Wow! So I'm going to go with the the Hendrix Strat strung upside down. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Jared. Yeah. Um. I'm just going to do the easy thing, like Todd said, or I'm sorry, like Tony Baloney said, and I'm going to clip that seven string on the. Well, I don't really need to clip it. I could just play the seven string. Period. It's really. Uh, I I don't I don't see how that would. I don't know. Maybe that that seven string would get in my way. Because to be honest, I don't think I've ever played a seven string. Maybe a long time ago, but. Yeah, I think I would just take the dang string off. That's a good idea, and then there we go. That's I would just have to get used to the to the neck. Okay, uh, Lindy, how about yourself? All right. Well, I'm a big fan of Albert King, who always played pulling down. The high strings were on top, and I can't do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was pulling up four frets sometimes. Um, I fiddled around with it, and no, I would play the seven string and get used to that a whole lot quicker than trying to pull strings, play chords backwards and stuff. I actually strung a guitar left-handed for a short while, many, many years ago, and because I could bend strings closer to Hendrix's vibrato with my right hand than I could with my left. But then I cut my first finger and thumb off, and that ruined that idea. So I'm back to just playing regular left hand on the neck, picking with your right hand. Well, I, I think I'm going to break the mold here. I'm going to play the Jimmy, but I'm just going to tune it normal and go. And go. Just, I'm going to overload it with oh. overdrive. <laughs> Nobody will care. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'm going to do that because the, yeah, the, the seven string and the weedly weedly guitar, it's like, so, yeah, no, can't do it. Uh, but anyways, and I imagine those, those frets are just super high and it's probably all scalloped and everything and no thanks. <laughs> anyways, uh, well, that was a good one, Stu. Thanks for sending that in. Tony? Yes, Todd. What? I, I think we have a few people to thank. Well, we do. And these people make the show possible. They Who do. are they? They are our executive producers. That's right. How do you become one? Mm -hmm. You go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels that you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Each level comes with some very, very, very nice thank you gifts. That's true. And I'm giving away two pedals. Two. Uh, yep. Uh, sh this week. This week. And, uh, and, and then we're, uh, we're working on some new stuff, some new swag stuff for um, uh, our, our patrons. So, so in, in addition to all that great stuff, yep. there's one thing more. Mm -hmm. Jared, what is that? You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read Tony. on the thing, which is what I'm going to do right now. Yep. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader in Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemalero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, 
Michael Sinchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, and Stuart George. Mm. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank y'all. Indeed. Ah, yeah. but wait, Todd, yeah. because we have another level of executive producers. We call them our grand poobas. These folks are the creme de la creme. They wear a fez upon their head whilst listening to the podcast. And at the That's same right. time. And at the same time. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wild Pickups. That's right. Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound. Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. S. Eddie Serratos, and David Poe. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. That's uh, right. Truly, the people that keep the show going. We cannot thank you all enough. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an absolute delight. And uh, very, very pleased with our time with Lindy Fraylin. And we're really grateful for the time he's spent not only with us, but with you all. So thank you so much, Lindy. Thank you. Um, and where can people, if they haven't figured out you know, where to go yet, where can people go buy your awesome pickups? Well, we deal direct now. We built a website that does e-commerce. We also, on our website, list our dealers. So a lot of the big cities have dealers of our stuff. Um, so, yeah, you can, you can go direct or, or get on our website, look up to all the dealers, find somebody close to you. FraylinPickups.com. Boom. All right, go get yourself some fantastic pickups, reshape your tone, and uh, do it with this awesome information you've been armed with. So... Let's see. Uh, Tony, let's yes. wrap up with you. Where can people get the pick guards and stuff? These Go over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the cool things that I'm doing, things you can buy online. But by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need. I'll take good care of you. Oh, yeah. If you want to get a hold of me, go to Instagram and look for jared.allen.brandon. And uh, we'll discuss whatever. Pickups, guitars, Gibson stuff that has already come out and uh yeah good get good. Hold of me good good yeah. good 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 uh all right you can shoot me an email todd at the guitar you can also dm me on instagram at guitar knobs we would love to hear from you we would love for you to send in your would you rathers and we're so grateful to those who keep doing it and thank you so much for listening to our show it it uh aside from uh you know just putting stuff out it we love doing this we really truly do and uh we're, we're, we love interacting with all of you and hearing from you. So, Lindy, thank you. We're, we'll talk to you later. And, uh, hey, everybody, have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys.
enjoyed this. You guys are all fun and interesting. Oh, good. How's that? A little better? A little, little better? Back it up. Test, test, test. Why am I all the way down here? Turned all the way down. You can also um, j- just back, back off. off for like, uh, How about you know, this right here? A little bit more. Test. How about test. that? Let me press something. How's that? It doesn't matter what I do. Why is this thing? Let me press something. <laughs> yeah. Press something. Let me press anything. something. Let me press something. Meow. Meow. German policeman with a machine mechanical hand. He's like the best character in the whole movie. You know? Man, I was nervous talking to him. Oh, he's an easy, easy. He's, an, he's an easy guy, but dude, I mean, he's a big damn player, man. Yeah. Let's see. What are we doing, eh? Talking voice right here. <laughs> yeah. Is this okay? Put a right, cool. put a lazy boy in between you and <laughs> the mic. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you saw that. Remember that? No. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time